I never, ever imagined that I would ever go to a strip club or a brothel. It was just never on the cards for me. Growing up, I just knew good Christian men don't go to bad places. Just never crossed my mind that I would ever want to or ever set foot in such a place. So imagine the reorientation of my thinking and the internal struggle that went on when I moved to Thailand seven years ago to volunteer for an anti-trafficking organization in a role that required me to go into such places fairly often in Thailand and Laos and in India. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go into these places for a number of reasons. I didn't want to go because I didn't want to be in such vile, uh, you know, disgusting places where awful things are done to women and children out in public. I didn't want to go and be in such a hypersexualized environment for the sake of my own soul. And I didn't want to go because um, I didn't feel equipped. I didn't feel prepared. I didn't feel trained for what might come my way. But I went. Why? Because I was there on a mission. I was sent to Thailand. I went to Thailand on a mission to do everything that I could in the role I was given to rescue children from the sex trade and help restore them into new lives. And when you're on a mission, when you've been sent to do something, it requires a shift in perspective. It requires you to look at things differently. It requires you to step out of your comfort zone and out of things that you feel safe and secure in and step into the unknown. It requires effort. It requires strength and decision-making, and it absolutely requires trust in the power of God. If you're a follower of Jesus watching this today, you are on a mission. You are not just here. You've been sent here. You are not just living this life. You are living a life with purpose. Do you feel it? Do you know it? And over the past weeks, I wonder, has that sense been growing in you? The sense that I'm a sent person. As Jenny said a few weeks ago, we haven't been given the great permission to go and share the gospel just whenever we feel like it. No, we have been commissioned. Do you feel it? Today, as we end this three-part series that we're calling Mission Possible, I just want to give us uh, a gentle but big push out the door to equip us with a couple of things that will tie this whole series together. We began with looking at Jesus as he went out into the villages. He went to where the people were and he ate with them and he blessed them and he preached the gospel with his mouth and with his actions. And today I want to equip us with three P's uh, that Jenny uh, so helpfully gave me. Uh, perspective, power, and perspiration. And our text is the same as it has been over the past few weeks, Matthew 9, 35 to 38. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can pick that up. Otherwise, the words will appear for you. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Father, I pray that you would 
bless your word today as it goes out. Lord, I pray that uh, yeah, you would take the, the noise that comes out of my mouth and may it find uh, your purposes in people's hearts, Lord, and change me in this process too, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Perspective. Living a mission-focused life requires a change in perspective. And we see this in the text where it said, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw people for who they were. He saw them. He really saw them. He didn't look at the crowds and see a checklist. He didn't look at the crowds and see a project of, ah, man, I've got to to help these people, okay, I'll tick them off one by one. He didn't see people as smelly or with a prickly, a prickly personality or the one who talked too much or, or told inappropriate jokes. He saw them for who they were and for what they were. He saw their spiritual state. He looked at the crowds and he saw people who were harassed and people who were helpless. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd, and it moved him to compassion. And that word compassion means that he was moved to the depths of his being for them. His heart ached for them. He looked at the crowds and he saw people who needed someone to lead them, someone to guide them. He saw that they were at the mercy of the elements. There was no one there to lead them to green pasture, to bind up their wounds when they were hurt, to protect them from wolves. They were totally exposed. You know, to live our lives on purpose, on purpose requires a shift in our perspective to really see people as Jesus saw them. Do I really see the people around me? Do you really see the people around you? Do you see the friend who talks too much as simply that annoying friend? Or do you see someone who is lacking some insecurity, who lacks some security? Maybe they talk about themselves too much. Do you see them as annoying or do you see them as someone who really needs some meaning and purpose and some help finding their identity? Or maybe the overbearing, fearsome boss, the, the unapproachable one. Do you see him as simply a, an angry, hard man? Or maybe someone who's got a story, wounded. There's some pain there that he's acting out of. Do we see people and does it move us to compassion? I wonder how curious we are about why people are the way they are. Everyone has a story, and it's worth our time to ask, why is that person like that? What's happened in their life? And maybe find some compassion. You know, this uh, came to me in a really striking experience when I was in Thailand working for this organization. And I remember going down to, to Bangkok, we were going into a brothel one night on a rescue mission and someone said to me before we left, Jerem, before you go in there, just be prepared to hate the guys. When you look around the men in that brothel, just be prepared to hate them. And so I remember you know, going through the red light district and we're ready to go in and I guess I'm preparing myself to be flooded with hate. And we go in there and we take our seats and you know, everything's happening up on stage and I'm looking around the room at all these men and you know what I feel? Sad. I feel sad. I look at these guys and they are lonely. They look pathetic. They look lost. They look wounded. And I just remember looking at them and I felt God say to me, Jerem, look at these men. 
at one point in their lives, they were five-year-old boys, maybe playing with cars in the mud, maybe playing cops and robbers. Do you think they dreamed of being here, doing what they're doing to these women and children? No. Jerem, what happened in their life that brought them here? And then just in that moment, I'm sitting in this awful brothel and I feel a wave of compassion for these men wash over me, not condoning what they were doing, but an understanding that we are far more than we look on the surface. You know, people aren't problems to be solved. They're image bearers of God to be loved. And we really need to take time to see people, to really see them. And I think Jesus displays this perfectly. Uh, we read in Luke 19.41, as he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city, he wept over it, and then he spoke. See the order of events here for Jesus. He approaches the city, he, he sees the city, he sees what is going on in the city and the future of what's going to happen at Jerusalem, and he allows it to break his heart. And then he speaks. I think for us so quickly, we will approach someone and then just speak. Tell them what we're thinking. Try and maybe shove the gospel down their throat without actually looking at them and being curious and finding out more about them and allowing it to move us to compassion. And then with that understanding, then speak. We all need perspective correction. And we could all do with a healthy dose of compassion for those in our city. Friends, the spiritual state of someone who doesn't know Jesus is that they are lost. They are like sheep that don't have a shepherd. They are harassed and helpless. They have no one leading them. They have no one guiding them. There is no one there to run to when they have the biggest questions and they don't have answers. Harassed and helpless. Can I encourage you this week as you continue to eat with three people as Jenny encouraged us a few weeks ago to bless some people in our lives that you take some time to bring them to your mind this week and say, God, help me to see them as you see them. Stir within me some compassion for these people. What do you want me to know about them? How do you want me to respond to them? And I wonder how that would influence our interactions with them. Because when we really get to see people, when we really get to see people, their lostness, their shepherdlessness, you'll end up with opportunities to share something that has happened in your life. It will inevitably end up with some emotion, with maybe a story of pain coming out from them, and then you'll have an opportunity to share our second P, power, God's power. Jesus went throughout the towns and villages and his proclamation of the good news was accompanied by power, healing the sick, raising the dead, opening blind eyes, opening deaf ears, and so much more. In order to be effective in living out this mission, it requires a change in perspective and it requires Holy Spirit power working in us, transforming us, and also giving us the opportunity to invite that power into other people's lives, every single one of us. If you're a follower of Jesus listening to this today, you have experienced the life-changing power of God. You have encountered the living God, and whether you know it, whether you acknowledge it or not, you are the result of His power in your life. You were once lost, and now you are found. 
You were once blind, but now you see. You were dead, and now you're alive. That takes God's power to accomplish that in your life. You are a living, walking story of God's power. And I wonder if we give him enough credit for that. You know, in my late teens and early 20s, I was addicted to pornography. It was an awful time in my life. Couldn't shake it. Couldn't escape it. It consumed me from the inside out. Destroyed me mentally, emotionally, physically. There were times when I would just grit my teeth and try and pull myself up by my bootstraps and say, I'm not going to look at it again. I'm not going to. And maybe I could go a day, a week, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, but I would always end up back in it again. And I thought, I'm never going to be free from this. But over a period of time, through prayer, through wise counsel, through some helpful resources, through some Christian counseling, through people coming around me, through the power of God, he set me free. He set me free, and it has not been a problem in my life for as long as I can remember now. That is a story of God's power setting me free from a debilitating addiction. What, what am I to do with that? If I just kept that to myself and thought, okay, thank you, God, you freed me from this awful thing. I'm going to keep the story to myself now. I am not going to tell anyone about what you've done. What would you think? Remember when when Jesus healed legion, he cast out a legion of demons out of this man and he said, Jesus, I want to follow you. He said, no, I want you to go back to your hometown and I want you to tell them how much God has done for you, how much God has done for you. And so now the story that I've shared and I've shared it times before has enabled me to walk alongside guys who who are in the same situation, to to come alongside them with some compassion and empathy and say, man, I know what you're going through. It's awful, but let me tell you what God's done for me and let me pray for you that he will be able to do the same and I can walk with you through that. There is power of God changing our lives. We have stories that we can share with other people to help them through their pain. And this can be an effective tool of evangelism. When someone opens up to you and and shares a story, the chances are you'll have a similar experience and that's an opportunity to say, hey, can I share a story with you? something that I've been through, and can I pray for you? And it doesn't have to be a long prayer. It can be a simple, Father, I thank you for my friend. I thank you for what you have freed me from, and I pray that your power would do the same for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Simple prayer, inviting the power of God that you've experienced into their life. It's an incredible thing because we know that the kingdom of God is not a matter of just talk, but of power. God has power that he wants to release in you and through you. And for you, it might not be an addiction. For you, it might be a healed relationship, a redeemed situation when all looks lost. You know, it might be a miraculous physical healing or um, comfort in a storm. It could be anything, but it is worth sharing. Let me encourage you this week to take some time and and reflect on the stories of God's power in your life. Write down one or two testimonies that you can call to mind when the situation arises. When someone wants to know, uh, you know, tell me something interesting about yourself. Hey, let me tell you about a time when God showed up. You never know the opportunities that will come for that. How much God has done for us. Living a mission-focused life requires perspective. It requires power, 
and it requires perspiration. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. You know, this ties in with perspective at the same time. Jesus looked out at the masses, he looked out at the crowds, and he saw a harvest that is ripe for the picking. He didn't see problems. He didn't see, oh, that guy, he probably won't believe, and that guy won't believe. He saw, no, look at this. These people are ready. These people are ready to respond. I just need some people to go. And he asks for workers. He asks for laborers. And so being on mission, living our lives with a missional focus is going to require effort. It's going to require work. You think about working in a harvest field, it requires people wielding the sickle, uh, tying up the wheat into bundles, carrying it back to the storehouse. This is sweaty, this is gritty, this is dirt under the fingernails sort of stuff. And you know, it's often the same with evangelism. It's not easy, and I don't think it's meant to be easy. More often than not, it takes time and requires persistence. Doug Pollock, the author of the book God Space, uh, uses the analogy of rugby, which is quite apt for a Kiwi audience, to paint a picture of how we can view spiritual conversations. You know, watching a rugby game, it is highly entertaining when the fullback gets the ball and then just runs the full length of the field untouched, scores a try under the posts. It's wonderful. And I think so many times we just long for our spiritual conversations to be like that. We're in with 30 seconds in, and we get to say, You know, Jesus loved you and died for you, and if you believe in him, you can go to heaven. And we want them to go, Oh, yes, you know, I'm a sinner, and you know, and respond there. And you're like, Boom, 30 seconds, full field run. I've never had a story like that. I know it happens, but more often than not, it's like a game of rugby. How do the tries get scored? The ball is moved up the field bit by bit, ruck by ruck, mall by mall, pass by pass. And for us, in these spiritual conversations we have with people, we're just looking to move that ball a bit further down the field. Another conversation, another prayer, another story of God's power, and we leave the result to God. You know, God reminded me of this many years ago when I was uh, in one of my first careers. I was uh, witnessing to a colleague and telling him what I believe, and I invited him along to church, and he agreed to come. And I was like, God, this evangelism thing is so easy. I've like shared with this guy a couple of times, and he's going to come to church. I know he's going to get saved. I am so good at this. And he came to church, and he didn't respond. And I remember being so confused afterwards and sort of saying to God, um, God, I did my part. I got him in the door. Uh, did you not see him? Did you forget? Like, God, what's the deal? And again, as he so often does with me gently, I got a rebuke and it felt like he was saying to me, Jerem, you wanted the quick fix. You just wanted to tick this guy off. But I want to know, Jerem, will you walk with him if it takes 50 years for him to respond? Will you be his friend and will you love him if it takes 50 years? I've been walking with this guy for 10 years now and there's still no response but over that time, through perspiration, through effort, through choosing to have spiritual conversations and choosing to love this guy, he's become my friend. And I will walk with him for another 50 years if that's what it takes because God's done something in my heart that has taken this man from being a project to being a friend. And it takes time. 
You know, in your pursuits, it's gonna, we're going to make mistakes. You're going to say the wrong things. People will misunderstand you. People will reject you. Friends might cut you off. People won't respond. The work of evangelism is laborious at times, but it's worth it. It requires persistence. It requires effort, and it requires a whole lot of prayer. But it's in partnership with God. This isn't, please don't hear me saying, you just need to grit your teeth and work through it, and oh, I've got to, I guess I've got to go and share. This is a God and you. We know that it is him working in us and through us to accomplish his purposes, but he loves to use our will and our decision, our boldness, our bravery to speak up, to share, and to love. Perspective, power, and perspiration. Before I close, I want to give a um, a little action for each one of those. And for perspective, it might be a prayer for you. It might be, Father, help me to see people as you really see them. For power, it might be an action for you. You might need to spend some time this week and write down one to two stories of God's power at work in your life and then pray for opportunities to share it. And for perspiration, it might be a reflection for you. Who in my life have I given up on? Who have I stopped trying with? And pray for them and reach out to them and see if you can connect with them again. I want to finish with a story, quite amazing story. It's the story of a church that had such a heart for a city overseas, so much so that it sent hundreds of its people to move there, to settle there, and to win that city for Jesus. And so this church commissioned hundreds of people old people, families, couples, singles, young people, and they lift up their lives and they moved to that city and they got jobs, they enrolled in schools, they joined clubs, they joined teams, they, they started businesses, they got work, and they went to infuse their lives in this city. And it was going really well for a few years. They were getting really involved and they'd started a church. They'd rented a building. They were meeting in the, week, in the, in the middle of the week doing life groups and they were, they were there as a community. And then after a few years, they forgot. They forgot that they were sent there. Some of them were making a lot of money and they got really comfortable Some of them were getting promotions at work and they forgot the reason God they were sent there in the first place. It was a really comfortable city to live in, great coffee, good food, and they just forgot that they were sent there. It's a tragedy. Now what would you say if I said that church was the street? What if I said that was us? that we have forgotten that we are sent here to this city. You are not just here. You've been sent here. You are not just living your life. We are called to live our lives on purpose. We have been given the great commission. You listening right now, you follower of Jesus, are a sent person if you are struggling for meaning in your life today, what more do you need? What more could you possibly want 
to live for? What could possibly compete with your time, your affections, your efforts, your calendar? You've been given the greatest mission by the Almighty God who redeemed you, who saved you, and now He wants to use you and He wants to use me as agents of His love and joy and peace and mercy and reconciliation to a tired and broken world. You have been sent. Will you go?